Everyone is tough until the pod comes around. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Holy Shoot Wrestling Podcast, a podcast that is all about, you guessed it, the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host, Broderick Sutherland, and joining me are... Hi, this is Jason. Hey, this is Chen. Hey, this is Chris. How are you all doing, guys? Pretty good, starting to feel festive. You know, did office bake-off the other day for Christmas, for charity. We're in that time. Was Paul Hollywood there? No, I was doesn't di- count. Uh, my, my, my director was in the Paul Hollywood role. <laughs> oh, your director. He didn't give out any handshakes. Uh, oh, that's rubbish. That's that's impolite. You know, uh, Chen, go ahead. You know, much. I'm just stressed. Christmas shopping, watching my bank account decreased. You know, I can't help myself. I got paid and I'm already in debt, so I feel your <laughs> pain, brother. And uh, Chris, no one cares. <laughs> Anyway, coming up today on this week's edition of Holy Shoot, we'll be looking at the history of table ladders and chairs matches, discussing how we would book Alistair Black's debut on the main roster, and continuing our weekly segment of the Ring of Dishonor. But coming up first, after this short musical interlude, is the news. You can tell everybody that this is the news. I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind. But I want to start off with this story. Kevin Owens has challenged Elton John to a match at WrestleMania. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that correctly. The WWE superstar is currently out for an indefinite period after having surgery on his both knees. Um, therefore, he decided to take his wife to Elton John's concert in Orlando. However, the legendary musician pulled out of the gig due to an ear infection, which led to Kevin Owens getting angry on the old Twitter machine. Jason, since you are going to WrestleMania with yours truly in April, let me ask if you are excited about this potential match. Well, of course I am. You have one of the greatest entertainers of his generation. He doesn't look like your usual star to his body shape and the unconventional clothing for the job, but he always produces on the big stage. And then you've also got Elton John, who is quite respected. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I I mean, of course this won't happen, but I believe if it did, Owens would win. You know, Elton would put up a good fight and he'd be able to stand at the end and tell Owens, I'm still standing. Uh, Wow. Uh, that, that, was, that was cheap, wasn't it? That, 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 that was pretty low. That was pretty low. I, I'm surprised that this is... If it's going to have a stipulation, I would expect it to have a grand piano and a pole match. That's what I expect it to be. See, Imagine um, doing the pop-up powerbomb to Elton John on the grand piano. I thought you were going to interfere with the song Imagine there, and I thought John Lennon <laughs> comes back from the dead and interferes. <laughs> it's got all 70s. Uh, apologies um, for your ears, ladies and gentlemen. But will Kevin Owens be back in WrestleMania? Well, that that was the thing I was going to ask, and uh, you guys, I I don't know. Um, he had surgery a few weeks ago, but was it a few I'm, weeks? I thought it was a while ago. I mean, he's been out for a while. <clears throat> you never know where these guys are at. Rumbles, ca- Rumbles coming around. When's he actually going to come back? It's surprise appearances. To be honest, if he comes back, there's nothing for him at the moment. So, is it going to be like a Samoa Joe where you hold him off like they did to Joe the other year? I think that might be the case. I th- yeah, you're right. Make him return it, the it first be- draw after WrestleMania. Yeah, that kind it, of thing it was there. between the Super Showdown and Crown Jewel uh, pay-per-views where he's written off. So and Sammy was written off before that. As yeah, well. I think Sammy might return for WrestleMania. Maybe a surprise entrant in the Battle Royal, but Kevin Owens surgery on both knees. That's going to be several months. Several months, especially. Mm, yeah, I can't see anything but several months there. Um, speaking of Kevin Owens, or should I say Kevin Owens' former best friend, um, 
Apologies for the terrible segue. Chris Jericho has posed with Impact Wrestling executives Don Callis, Scott Damore, and Ed Nordholm this past week. Jericho and Callis are longtime friends and have previously suggested that Impact should hire Callis and Damore. Moreover, with Jericho's relationship with WWE weakening as he continues to work for New Japan, could we see Jericho making an impact? Chen. Hell no. I do not think Jericho would ever make an appearance for a TNA. Um, it's Impact. So- well, it's impact, yeah, he's not TNA. Not, he's definitely not going to TNA. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. TNA died with Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> At the end of the day, I believe what Jericho said. I think he even said this in his own podcast that he's happy to wrestle for other promotions, but as long as it's not in the states, he's he would never do that to Vince McMahon. He appeared at All In. Yeah, but he didn't wrestle, and that he appeared in All In just to promote his cruise. No, it's true. This cruise technically took off from the United States as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he tried to get WWE guys involved. Uh, yeah. So, I, what about you, Jason? Um, I mean, they just—it was just an NFL game, right? They just met up for an NHL game for like Canada or whatever the Canada version of the NHL is. I don't know anything about hockey. I know that Canada Jared, version <laughs> of the NHL, <laughs> whatever it is. I mean, Toronto Maple Leaves. One of the bigger I teams. Know, I just know that Jericho and Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I mean, as Chen said, I mean, I don't think they can. They can't afford Chris Masters. They definitely can't afford Chris Jericho to have him in that company. And Don Callis and Jericho—they're just like very, very good friends. At the end of the day, Don Callis claimed. Uh, no, sorry, Jericho claimed the reason he was the reason why Don Callis might have been hired by Ed Nordheim. I think it's a possibility. You know, uh, I just don't see it. It, depend, it depends on Impact's next TV deal. If they get a bit more money from that, if they get a bit more popularity, I think it's a possibility. It's just, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, they, but they, they're getting a new deal, right? And they've got a few people they're talking to. It's what comes around come January. And if it's another, like, I'm right, is it Pop TV or something? Then no way, but you never know. But who does Jericho even want to face in Impact? I think there's a few interesting guys there. The only reason he went to New Japan was for Omega. Kenny Omega. Stay there. Didn't he? Mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who he'd go for in TNA. You're right. It's, I mean, they, they can bring in some guy from Mexico and Japan into TNA. At the end of the day, even. them <laughs> two were, him and Don Cass were friends before this whole impact thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, Jericho recommended that um, Don get the job, but that's just about it. They're still going to be friends. I think the other thing is that impact work with New Japan. Um, they do have quite a few members of. But well, they've had a few members of Bullet Club go over there in the past couple of years, including at their uh, Slammiversary pay per view. So it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Moving on, we here at Holy Shoot also like to talk about the UK scene a tiny bit too. Said that a bit weirdly, ladies and gentlemen. This is an exciting bit of news for anyone who goes to Rev Pro events here in London, as Pack from Dragon Gate, previously known as Neville in WWE, will be taken on Will Ospreay at York Hall in a couple of months' time. Are you guys excited to see this match, Jason? Oh hell yes! I mean, I would have got, t- got my ticket. Yeah. Um, you know, he made his European return for Defiant Wrestling um, the other month, I believe it was. And what I, I love, I'm almost annoyed. I'm missing out on. He's got that mouth-watering match against Zack Sabre Jr. at the cockpit coming up shortly. That's insane. That's like 200 people in a tiny venue watching Zack Sabre Jr. versus Pack. That's going to be amazing for them. So I've and I've wanted to watch Will Ospreay for ages. I was hoping to see him at Progress at Wembley before he pulled out, and that was going to be an amazing match with him and Havoc. Didn't get to see it. This is finally my chance to see Osprey, and it's against Pack. I mean, that's going to be a crazy, enjoyable match. It's a match that Gravity forgot. Chen, 
Do you have any thoughts on this? I hope Jason comes down with the illness and offers to sell his ticket so I can go. <laughs> wow. wow. That's how bad wow. I want to say. He'll turn there from Chan. Okay. Wow. That's how bad I want to go. Okay. Why don't you just buy a ticket? I could, but then I know on the day Jason might just... The truth is I won't be here. I'm on a stag. But, you know, wrestling, better than drinking abroad, partying... That's a tough yes. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly it is. I mean, you're missing out on Jason's company. Chris, aren't you going to this event too? I am, yes. Um, I think there might be a few flips. That's where we hire you as a producer. <laughs> Amazing insight, Chris. You're welcome. Moving on from that dead air bit. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Lastly, Alistair Black, who we've got a segment on later in the show, so keep tuned for that, got married to Zelina Vega this past weekend. Chen, since you believe... Alexa Bliss listened to the show. Do you want to offer your congratulations to the couple? Congratulations to both of you. I don't know how you managed to keep this under wraps, but yeah, I hope the, for the best of you, both of you. And when, when, you meant, com- when you meant under wraps, did you mean listen to this podcast or their relationship? Their relationship? I don't know they were dating, did you? No. A lot of them she was dating Austin Aries, so yeah, they yeah. kept it quiet. I mean, good luck to them. I hope it all worked out really well and they're together for a long time. And hopefully they get yes. caught up on when Alistair does get caught up one one day. Hopefully they'll be on the same brand for the sake Ooh. of the survival of their relationship. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> it will be like a page wow. Alberto situation. Oh, that was dark. Uh, let's uh, fade this segment to black. Uh, that wraps up the news, <laughs> the big news for this week. After the short message from our affiliate, we will be discussing the history of TLC matches. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL, or Watch Wrestling London, get wrestling fans together to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve, and many more. It's a great group of friendly people and all are welcome to join this group. You can find out more at watchwrestling.london or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the meetup page. The next event will be on Monday, December 17th, when they will be gathering for a TLC replay at Belushi's in London Bridge. Excellent ad read there, Jason. Anyway, with WWE's 10th Tables, Ladders and Chairs pay-per-view happening in less than two weeks, we wanted to do a deep dive discussion into the history of the Tables, Ladders and Chair match. Therefore, just to kick off this conversation, is this one of your favourite match types, Chen? Yes, definitely. Um, you never know what to expect, especially I help, I think this match in general just helped elevate the tag team division. Mm. I think that's a very interesting point. Jason? Um, not really one of my favourite matches. I like ladder matches, but I feel the chairs thing is just silly and it's only a part of the match because of Edge and Christian from back when they did these original couple of matches. Um, you know, the original couple were really good. They did everything in those matches. Now, it just feels like, why do you need chairs in this match? I kind of agree in some respects. I wish they just kept it to either a TLC or a ladder match, just to have one of either one as a stipulation because at the end of the day that kind of all it adds up to at the end it's all about the ladder really ultimately yeah. you climb something in these matches there's a few where it's been by pinfall but it's normally about climbing the ladder yeah. and if it's a pinfall you just keep it to no disqualification however I, I, I have to say I do like the match type overall it's kind of my one of my favourites in terms of it's a spot fest I love ladder matches I love TLC matches I get ex- incredibly excited and the more people you fit on there 
apart from that Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 26, the better, as, as far as I'm concerned. One of the things that stands out <laughs> when I was going over some of the old matches is the chairs element, mm-hmm. and I realise why I don't like it. Back then, like in TLC, it's like you watch some of those chair shots. It's before they were protecting each other. This was attitude era. Some of them are brutal. The whole just chair, no protection, straight on the head. At least now they're a bit more safe the way they do it. But those are the really nasty spots. Despite all the things going with ladders and tables, chairs are the things that look dangerous and give the concussions. I'm sure back then you weren't complaining though, were you? Yeah, I was probably like younger. I probably didn't realize yeah, like yeah. the long term like effect of what they were doing. Exactly. Yeah, take that concussion. <laughs> I think I, I was re-watching the first four TLC matches. For the listeners that aren't aware, I only became a fan in 2004. So I missed the Attitude Era and I missed all these gloriously violent match types. But I think one thing that really stood up to me was when I think one of the Hardy Boys in TLC 3 took a chair shot to the head and the commentator, I think it was Michael Cole, he just went, well, I think he only had a concussion last week. And you think, and you're looking in 2018 eyes, you think, Jesus Christ, if that was actually true that that person had a concussion the week before, no wonder you get some really, um, people ended up in wheelchairs. It's, it's quite scary. It's quite scary. Um, despite some negativity towards the TLC match from Jason, it, do you have a favorite TLC match? See. I'll go old school, and for me, it's the one where everyone says it's the second one. So, and I can I can say I actually watched these matches back then. You know, the first one at SummerSlam, and then the one at Mania, and remembering everything they did for that match with the run-ins and the big spots everyone knows. You know, the Edge Spear on Jeff Hardy and so on. I mean, I I mean that that still is fun to watch. I enjoyed that, and this was also before the day of the internet spoilers, so I could watch it. You know, when I got home from school and not have to worry about it being ruined. The other one that stands out for me is Punk v. Hardy at SummerSlam. Ooh. Um, that's probably the best singles match, you know, utilizing the TLC concept, which I think was a really good example. So I'm going to say something controversial. TLC 2 is one of the most overrated matches in WrestleMania history. And uh, why I, I, do you say? Is there any bigger reason? Well, I watched the SummerSlam match, I watched the WrestleMania match, and then I watched the one that they had a couple of months later on the SmackDown which was a fatal four-way when they included Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit in the mix. I felt the SmackDown match was the best one of the four. I felt the spots were more creative. I felt it was more chaotic. There was more sense of urgency. It wasn't just three teams going at it. I felt that the second TLC match, when I rewatched these matches on Sunday, I felt, huh, there's quite a few missteps in that match in my opinion there's one where Jeff Hardy tries to go across two ladders and that fails I mean I do love the edge Jeff Hardy spot that's one of the best spots in Wrestlemania history but aside from that I didn't really feel much into that match I thought it was quite dull by comparison to some of the TLC matches before and after maybe it wasn't yes a moment of its time in terms of it was the 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 SummerSlam match is better interesting I agree with you Brog I mean, if I had to pick one match, it would be between TLC 1 or 2. I think TLC 1's better. Mm. Jen? I can understand why you think that, Brod, because overall I think TLC 2 gets more hype and because the whole overall pay-per-view was so amazing. WrestleMania it, uh, it was a very enjoyable pay-per-view, yeah. don't get me wrong. Very enjoyable. And, you know, people say it's the best WrestleMania ever, right? 19. But 
I still think TLC 2 is just much better than TLC 1. Why? I don't know. It just it blew my mind. When I watched the first one, I was like, yes, this is great. I don't know what to expect, but this is amazing. But then I just felt like they elevated it to another level. But if you ask me, is it my favorite TLC match of all time? No. So what is your favorite TLC match of all time? Chris, by the way, his favorite TLC match, we discussed it earlier, was the Wii LC match between El Torito and Hornswoggle. Um, I should probably say that that's not true. Um, <laughs> okay, what is it? it? TLC 1. TLC 1? Oh, okay. So Jen, what's your favourite? Well, I've got a few. So, Ooh. obviously, TLC 3, which mm-hmm. happened on SmackDown May 24th, 2001. That's Brock's favourite. Con- yeah, right. which is also considered... It's not my favourite, no. but we'll oh, okay. talk in a minute. Oh. And that is obviously considered the forgotten TLC because of Benoit's participation. Who's Benoit? Oh, <laughs> I, I thought it was just Chris Jericho and then the ladders magically descended into like vacant hands uh, uh, my, my second favourite is TLC 4 um, this is actually not in any order but I just noted it down TLC 4 which mm. was the Raw Roulette which happened on May 24th 2001 where Kane was facing the Dudley Boys Christian and Jericho and Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam that was a good match yep and another one of my great ones was Edge versus Ric Flair, which oh. happened on T- which happened on Raw Jan sixteenth. That was my first TLC 2005. match. That was my first TLC match. I really loved that match. I loved it. Ric Flair surprised me, man. Yeah, the amount of bumps Ric Flair took in that match was amazing. And then what made it even better just having Charlotte in the audience. I think her name was Ashley right at the time. They were calling her and just her crazy reactions and everything, but. Man, Ric Flair, to do the stuff he did in that match, like, and he was 50. No, mate, he was 60. He was 60? He was 64 something. Yeah, he retired. Fucking he retired. Hell. He retired age 64. That was, yeah, this he match was, happened he was, in uh, 2005. Yeah, it would been 61, I think. Damn. He was definitely early 60s when he did that match. He uh, was a legend. And I that's why, um, you, Jason, you were talking about um, chair shots to the head. I thought the chair shots to the head made this match even better. The, the ones that Ric Flair took. Chen is a fan of concussions and CTE, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and then another mm-hmm. favourite one of mine is the CM Puck and Jeff Hardy at SummerSlam. It's a good match. And my my final favourite one is the Shield versus Team Hell No and Ryback. Uh, and that's my favourite TLC match. Yeah. Mainly because it made stars like the Shield and... What, I didn't have, I had low expectations when the shield arrived. I thought, ah, what's what's this rubbish? They're going to align with CM Punk. And then I saw that match and I was going, even like Ryback Kane, who I didn't really care much about, I was going, oh my God. Everyone the, was great in this match. Th- that was an insane it match. It was a good match. Um, a few of my favorites, just to rattle them off quickly TLC 3, Edge versus John Cena, Unforgiven 2006, I think. And Dean Ambrose versus AJ Styles at TLC 2016. They're my three other favourites. They're they're the honourable mentions, but I have to go with TLC 2012, Shield versus Hell No and Ryback. I thought that was a fantastic match. I mean, just picking up about making stars, um, I'd be be interested in what you guys think when it comes to Punk and Hardy. That's like the one I said is the best singles match at SummerSlam. Punk? was in theory already a made guy he'd been over as a you know baby face but this was him being a heel and it was still like it's still crazy it was his third title win but it's because they traded the belts pretty quickly back and forward on smackdown him and jeff 
it's a really good match. And I think it makes CM Punk because he beats Jeff Hardy. Jeff does the crazy spot off a giant ladder and then CM Punk wins clean. But it moves into a feud with The Undertaker. I don't like where that feud finished. But CM Punk and Undertaker, Undertaker yeah, I don't, I don't like the way it got, it, the way it ended up going. But it put CM Punk in there with Undertaker after winning the title from Jeff Hardy. I thought that would that worked in the bigger picture. It helped really put CM Punk over. I think uh, with mm. the rivalry, CM Punk and Jeff Hardy, what I liked about that match even more is one more straight edge and the other being Jeff Hardy was Dabla. <laughs> Should we say? <laughs> Double Hardy. When, when you watch it, the, the interesting thing about that is like when Jeff Hardy does the ladder spot and falls over, he stumbles around like a drunk at midnight selling yeah. that for the rest of the match. Then you should watch TNA Victory Road 2011. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that's, that's what he's like. Oh, You're right. That's yeah. what he is. That's him play acting what he yeah. actually did at that show. I've never seen Eric Bischoff so pissed off in my entire life. It was brilliant. It's, I've got to go back to that CM Punk Jeff Hardy match though. I don't think it made a star at CM Punk at all. The pipe bomb, the pipe bomb, the pipe bomb made CM Punk. I wouldn't say it made him a star, but it was a great match. A great match. Jeff Hardy was a bigger star. Yeah. Jeff Hardy left. CM Punk kind of went downhill. Injury, the Nexus thing, not winning a pay per view until that pipe bomb. Really, did that TLC match accomplish nothing? No. I mean, it's more, it was a main event on a packed SummerSlam show. There's elements to it. That's why I wanted your guys' views on it, really. If you're talking about guys being made, then I'm going to go back to my favourite TLC match of all time, and that would be The Shield. The Shield were made. That that was a making, yeah, of, that, that was a making of three guys. C- CM Punk was kind of already established as an upper-mid-card guy. SmackDown was the place where upper-mid-carders could pretend to be the guy for a bit at that point, and that's where he was on SmackDown. He was world champion a year previous. He wasn't that over. I don't think he was that over in 2009. I'm sorry, I don't see CM Punk. No, that's what I wanted you guys to give me your opinions, Chen. On which one? Um, just CM Punk. If you said didn't make him a star. So, I'm one of those fans who stopped watching wrestling for a while. And one of the first matches that came, I watched when I first came got back into wrestling was the CM Punk um, versus Jeff Hardy at SummerSlam. And... Just judging it from, just from a match point, not from a story point. Um, I just thought, wow, CM Punk has improved a lot since he was on the ECW brand. And it was great to see someone like Jeff Hardy being, gained these main, main event matches. I mean, oh, even though like he has his problems, he has his problems and, but it's also like what the, like I said, what the match did. One more straight edge. You know, promoting um, no alcohol, nothing like that, living just healthy lifestyle. Or Jeff Hardy, the one who was getting cheered, was, you know, like I said, known as the dabbler and everything like that. And it was just interesting, I thought. So from CM Punk potentially not being made a star to bad TLC matches and people that haven't really been made... Um, from TLC matches. Jason, I think you wanted to say something. I, I, I want to go back to the original TLC matches and I think we're talking about who was made stars. That made stars of most of the people in those matches. And they all went on to actually have very successful singles runs, apart from Devon Dudley. He's the one <laughs> guy from that original six that never really went on to hold singles gold as far as Reverend Devon. Reverend Devon. That was that... his sing- singles peak. I guess it led he to... Introduced, uh... He introduced Batista. Yeah, he, he introduced that. Batista. 
Um, that's, that's him not getting over, though. Yeah. I mean, but if you want to talk about bad TLC matches, I think we made the joke already about the WLC. I don't know if that technically counts as a TLC match, but it, we can It's on Wikipedia. That. Yeah, I don't know if it counts. But we can it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad match. I mean, it was I, good comedy. But I would submit for your consideration the Miz versus Jerry Lawler from Raw, yeah. because it also led to Hill, Michael Cole, and that match at WrestleMania. Miz versus Jerry Lawler is the epitome of TLC garbage. If there's one match that was really, really bad, in my opinion, it would, it would I have to agree, it's Miz versus Jerry Lawler. It was for the WWE Championship, and this was a time when the Miz should never have been WWE Champion. And this was... Well, it didn't, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, Michael, it didn't Cole, Michael Cole becoming a heel announcer, which irritated the shit out of me for 18 months and, straight and you know you have the Miz uh, sorry the Miz versus John Cena at Wrestlemania yuck and Michael Cole versus Jerry Lawler at Wrestlemania yeah, yuck want, Wrestlemania want, 27 was probably the worst Wrestlemania and it started from that match and you want the Miz to be and we, maybe he shouldn't have been champion but you should give him decent opponents he had the classic we don't actually think you're over, so we're going to put you in the ring with a 60-year-old commentator and I'll, then wonder why you're not getting over as a threat. I, I disagree because Vince said at the time that guys like The Miz were the future of the company. So he was over backstage. Hey, well, they booked him terribly then. Who hasn't he booked terribly apart from John Cena and Randy Orton? Chen, is there any bad TLC matches in your opinion? The one Jason just said. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, even... In my, in my opinion, it doesn't matter who the wrestlers are, even if I don't care about them, but just a TLC match is always exciting to me. So I like Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, but that match, the ending of that match was absolutely terrible. Oh, mommy, what was the actual ending? <laughs> Glad you asked. So Dean Ambrose gets a TV monitor from... The announce table that was broken. I'm not sure if it's a Spanish one or not. He comes into the ring and then the TV monitor explodes. What? <laughs> Wait, was this? And that, that, that allows Bray Wyatt. This wasn't for anything. So it's for pinfalls. This is a pinfall TLC match. So it allows Bray Wyatt to hit sister Ab- Abigail and that was it. This this it, feud ended with an exploding TV did monitor. Did it explode and have cosmic power coming out of it, or was it just an explosion? I'm trying to. I don't recall. No, this the, at all. The, the cosmic powers of the Hell in the Cell. Oh God! Okay. When it was Ambrose versus Seth Rollins, and this is the point where Ambrose was super over, where Ambrose could have been WWE champion, where Ambrose could have been the future face of the company, alongside Roman Reigns, and that's I know that's a slightly controversial statement, and. He lost every match to Seth Rollins. You put him into a feud with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt kind of struggled. I know you need to make Bray Wyatt go over, but for the love of God, Dean Ambrose was a guy for a tiny bit. And they failed him. And that was a that was a tipping point. That was the start of the end for Dean Ambrose, in my opinion, as a potential main eventer. I don't even remember it, so it kind of been good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good, in my opinion. Uh, the other one I wanted to mention off the top of my head was last year's TLC match which was the Shield reunion where Kurt Angle replaced Roman Reigns I was just going to bring that up what a shit show Braun Strowman gets murdered except he comes back from the dead by dumpster truck can we just talk about the hype for the match were you lot actually excited before Roman had to pull out 
I was mm. super, super excited. I think I was, I was interested in it. Because, Definitely. you know, The Shield pretty much made their debut at, in the TLC match. So I was it, very, very excited for the reunion it, of The Shield. It was kind of like the five-year anniversary of the debut match. Yeah. I don't think it helped. I think with Daniel Bryan and Kane, they're veterans. So it really helped there. And Ryback was super over too at the time. Here you have The Miz, who's a definition of safe. So you're not going to get anything this spectacular. Sheamus is good, but he's not great. Cesaro is great, but I don't really... I'm not that invested in him. Kane, at this point, should not have been in the main event level. The only guy on that team that I was interested in was Braun Strowman. And I think the Shield reunion was... This is nothing new in terms of analysis, where Roman Reigns was the person to... They're basically set up to get Roman Reigns over for WrestleMania 34. And then, you know, Roman got ill and then Dean Ambrose got injured and that was it. So leading up to TLC, no, I wasn't excited. Um, I thought Kurt Angle replacing Roman Reigns was just weird. Funny. That I remember the entrance. That was funny. I remember Kurt Angle coming out. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Angle the sat. I remember uh, the entrance. Yeah. He came you in can't the, remember that's the, all I remember is the, the entrance yeah. really. and, and I remember Kurt Angle getting pulled out and then coming back in and suplexing everyone that was fun but that was about it that and the, Miz, the bar and Kane decided to turn on Braun Strowman randomly mid-match and put him in the dumpster truck in the hopes I'd kill him so we have high hopes for TLC this year based on that match <laughs> I guess we don't know right at the moment it's was it Corbin and Braun, but everyone, no one's sure about the injury. What's actually going to go on there? That could easily change. So, well, it'll be it'll be interesting to know our thoughts in next week's podcast, where we're previewing TLC. I think that wraps up our discussion, gentlemen, on the history of TLC. Anyway, up next, we are going to be talking about how we would call up Alistair Black to the main roster right after this break. There were some rumours recently that Alistair Black might be getting called up to the main roster sometime soon. With that being said, we here at Holy Shoot thought it would be good to get those creative juices going. No, Chris, please don't say anything dodgy this week. And talk about how we could call up Mr. Black. Chris, you're a huge Alistair Black fan, so I'm going to start with you for this one. Yeah, I think he's great. I, I love his character, the whole Satanist thing, his in-ring style. He puts on great matches. Um, if I was to book his main roster debut, he would debut at the Royal Rumble. There's one man in the ring. It's Olmas. They have a bit of a square off. Olmas eliminates Black. So then moving on to SmackDown on Tuesday, Olmas has a match on SmackDown. He wins. All of a sudden, the lights cut out. People are wondering what's going on. It's The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're thinking that. And then Alistair Black's music hits. People are marking out <laughs> left, right and centre. They square off. <laughs> Alistair hits the black mass and the crowd goes wild. Everyone is happy. So that's what I do. Okay, so how are we going to do this segment? Just to let you guys know, is I'm going to let the other two guys speak, then I'm going to speak. And then we're just going to discuss our ideas in further depth. So Jason, I'm going to move on to you. Interesting what Chris has said there, which you'll, you'll understand in a moment. So I've got Alistair has to wrap up TakeOver. Um, I don't know what the match is going to be yet. I don't know if it's a freeway with him and like Trumper and like Johnny Wrestling. 
Or if we end up with something where it's Black v Tomasa and then Johnny's involved. Like, either way, Black's not winning. Nikki it, knows. Yeah. Either way, it wraps up where Black looks strong, but he's not winning that match. Then I'd go to the Rumble. Amos is number one in the ring. Oh. He's had the intro. He's looked out, you know, done his cocky walkout. Number two, it goes Black. Lights out. Alistair gets his full entrance at number two. So then even people that don't know who he is, because not everyone's watching NXT, will be in awe of this entrance. He's got the rock music playing. You know, he's got the smoke all over the place. He does that thing where he rises from the ground, that slow, intense walk to the ring. He's there. You know, he ends up throwing out Almas. He's there for about 25 minutes until Bobby Lashley eliminates him. It's Bobby Lashley and Alistair Black going to WrestleMania. That's my plan. Wow. Chan. So I haven't thought much of this, but the way I'll set it up is first of all, first of all, we've got to consider that obviously not the, everyone in the audience watches NXT. So people are just going to be judging Alistair for the first time. And you know, the main roster is all about character at the end of the day. So again, Royal Rumble, there's two people in the ring Bray Wyatt. A demon baller. And that's when Alistair Black's music hits. Interesting. And Alistair, I wouldn't say he lasts in the ring that long. Compared, um, no, he'll last in the ring a lot, actually. But at the end of the day, it'll be Bray and Balor teaming up to eliminate him. Mm. Interesting. And that, f- and then they'll have a triple threat at WrestleMania. Oh, spooky character trio. I like yeah. it. That's, that's interesting, but we'll hold our opinions until after <laughs> I'm done. So mine's a slightly longer, uh, so I apologies for the nap you're going to endure for two minutes. Anyway, so Alistair Black is probably appearing at the Royal Rumble weekend, so I'm going to start at NXT TakeOver, where Black loses his NXT title match. I don't know if he's on the card yet at Phoenix, to Champa and Gargano. Champa pins Black and he's still your NXT champ. Following night, Baron Corbin enters a Royal Rumble at number one because Stephanie McMahon wants to test her new permanent Raw general manager. Corbin gets tested as he faces jobbers in the first few spots. Corbin stays in until number 13 when out comes Alistair Black. Corbin makes a mistake and attempts to eliminate Black right away only to eat a Black Mass. Mmm, tasty. Corbin gets eliminated and Black finishes in the final four. This sets up a rivalry between the two heading into Elimination Chamber where Corbin faces Black one-on-one. Corbin gets humiliated and destroyed in what is a glorified squash match. Think SummerSlam against Finn Balor. He makes the same mistake and eats a Black Mass at the beginning of the match. Instead of covering him for the fall, Black wants to absolve him of his sins, just like NXT TakeOver War Games, and beats him down for a further five minutes. Unhappy with his beating, Corbin gets another rematch at Fastlane, but this time it's a no-disqualification match. Again, Black dominates, but out comes, out of nowhere, the Intercontinental Champion, Dean Ambrose. Ambrose has become more unhinged following his rivalry with Seth Rollins. Whilst he captured the Intercontinental title, he lost to Rollins earlier in the night inside the Elimination Chamber, so Rollins is going to face Lesnar instead of him for the Universal Championship. He tells Black in the promo on the Raw after Fastlane, no man is truly ever born evil. Well, he doubts that. And then rants on about how vicious, this is Ambrose, can be. 
He wants Black to become a monster, a psycho, just like Ambrose. And for the weeks up until WrestleMania, he'll push Black to the edge. This culminates in a good back-and-forth brawl at WrestleMania, where Black wins the Intercontinental Championship from the Lunatic Fringe. Fade to Black. So, which guy's uh, storyline was better? Let's start with you, Jason. If you don't say me, this is a fucking wasted effort. Very detailed. I like it. But I'm also a fan of Demon Bala. So Chen's going to have to get my vote. I just thought about demon, that I'm happy. on the spot. I thought about that pretty much on the spot. Okay. I like the, I like the idea of like, that's a, that's, also, that's a WrestleMania spectacle match. I guess the concern is, are you making Black become all mystical? Whereas actually he's just a badass. So you have to think about that a little bit. But that'd be a great match for Mania. And I'd be happy to sit there and watch it. Wait, wasn't your match Alistair Black versus Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt? Yeah. Yeah, triple threat at Mania. Uh, I don't care about Bray Wyatt. But I want to see them do more with Bray Wyatt as well and finally bring him back on the show, so this yeah. could be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you had me at Finn Balor, like, I, I was, you know, I was yeah. very interested. And then you mentioned Bray Wyatt. Just imagine all three entrances happening one after the other as well at WrestleMania. Oh, I'm just going to chuck my laptop with all my notes because I, I've I, I'm I'm really excited now. The fact that I'm going to WrestleMania, if that happens, I will make love to you, Chen, right now. <laughs> you have to travel back in time to make love to him right now because you'll be at Mania when it happens. So oh, it, it will exist. <laughs> it will exist. I mean, Chris and I had to, getting back on topic. Chris and I had a very similar kind of theme. That was there, interesting. Yeah, but we'd yeah. both gone for the Almas and how to get there. Was I'm using him to like at the start whereas you've got him eliminating Black so that's interesting the problem is Almas is not really established on the main roster that's why I had him being like he has a fight with Black but he's out before number 3 comes out yeah, yeah I, I agree although I do prefer the idea of an Andrade Alistair Black rivalry I think the reason why I went for Raw guys was purely because Raw needs a new babyface over Smackdown and that's how I'd put Alistair Black I would love to. I prefer to see him on the SmackDown brand. I think you want any NXT call up to be on the SmackDown brand, apart from Sanity. Um, I think so, yeah. the interesting bit. I think with um, Black, he's not like he's a giant guy, but he's a tall guy. And you're, yeah, he'd be good on SmackDown, but he can hang with giants. We saw the match with Lars Sullivan. I can see <laughs> him look incredible. And so I just remember the selling of. The black mass that didn't connect yeah. at all. But yeah, you could see him. He would look. He would be able to hold his own and look cool. And he wouldn't be like phased by the bigger guys that are on Raw. Chris, you haven't said anything about which storyline you preferred. I've got to say, I'm really impressed by your booking. Definitely going for you. Thank you. Thank you. Call me Vince Russo. <laughs> Except without the swerves or the bullshit. I like, I like the Dean part. The whole, you know, born evil type line that could be interesting yeah thank you thank you give me my oscar give me my emmys <laughs> but it hasn't got demon balor so you know i'm not changing my yeah mind. i i agree <laughs> i think after black versus finn balor is more of a rematch than after black versus dean ambrose i kind of wish i thought of that i really could the only thing i would say is face versus face well that's why bray's in there as well what, yeah. does one of them go heal that's i don't true. know either way I, i'm ignoring i'm ignoring the bray wyatt thing i pretend bray wyatt <laughs> and we haven't i mean i mean bray wyatt's been ignored on raw anyway especially when they need new guys on raw that they're actually ignored we also bray haven't wyatt. seen demon Bella at wrestlemania yet that is very true that's very true i mean they're all good ideas but if we have to vote 
I think anything involving the demon wins for me. I know what I'm doing when I next fantasy book something. Oh, this guy's on next to match with de- Demon Balor. <laughs> yeah, that win every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to agree with you, Jason, actually. I think Chen... I can't vote for myself. I mean, I would definitely vote for myself, but that's because I'm an arrogant individual. But I would definitely vote for Chen. I think that triple threat match is very interesting. I think we can all agree that all of our ideas are interesting, uh, except for yours, Chris. Uh, <laughs> that was in the script, so... Yeah, I, I don't hate Chris too much. We have much. a script. I'm giving Give them kayfabe. <laughs> kayfabe is dead. Okay. Anyway, I think it might be a good idea if we run a Twitter poll to see which idea was best. I'll, I'll let Jason decide that one because he's more in control of a Twitter account. So I'm just looking at him, and he's got dread in his eyes right now. I'll set that up. I've not done a poll before. It'll be a good learning experience. Good learning experience. Good learning experience indeed. Anyway, after the short break, we'll be bringing back the Ring of Dishonor. Hey you, if you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pot. Do it! Do it now! Lastly, it's our weekly segment to close the show, The Ring of Dishonor. For those who haven't joined us on the pod before, it's like Room 101, but wrestling in an audio format. And we did not totally steal this concept from a well-known wrestling YouTube channel. Each week, one of us will nominate something that they would like to see enter the... The Ring of Dishonor. The other three people on the podcast will decide if it is worthy, or shall we say unworthy enough, to enter... The Ring of Dishonor. Last week, Jason submitted the what chant to... The Ring of Dishonor. Chen, Chris, and I decided that it was worthy enough for submission and became the inaugural entrant to the, the Ring of Dishonor. Since Jason did it last week, we are decided to spin an online wheel, just like the Raw Roulette, to decide who should try and enter something into The Ring of Dishonor. Jason, please spin the wheel. It's time to spin the wheel and make the deal. I'm spinning the wheel. We have selected. Broad! I'm confirming this to the panel. Broad is the winner. Oh, Christ. Right. Just like my Alistair Black thing, it's going to take a couple of minutes. Anyway, Just to confirm, you get 60 seconds. Then stop wasting my time. Talk quickly. Stop wasting my time. Okay, so I'm going to put in China not being in the WWE Hall of Fame. For those who don't know, after China left WWE in the early noughties, she became a porn star. From the ninth wonder in the world to a shadow of her former self, it was one of the saddest plights in the history of professional wrestling. Her untimely death in 2016 led to many fans, myself included, asking for her to be posthumously put in the WWE Hall of Fame, only for WWE to say no. The reason being, and this is from Paul Levesque, also known as Triple H, that if their child was to Google her name, then they would find out what she was doing. This is from the company that inducted Sonny. Sonny is a very active member of that industry. The only reason why China is not in the Hall of Fame is pretty simple from my personal opinion. Personal issues between the McMahons and the woman who was cheated on by Triple H. So I would ask Jason, Chen and Chris, induct her into the Hall of Fame, or may this rot in Ring of Dishonor. Shall I go first? Um, Can do. I'm well aware of the argument about 
what would happen if you Google China and the pornography? Um, how many people in current wrestling could you Google and look for nude leaked pictures for and find something? If you really were looking for it, there's a lot. If you are a normal internet user and you look for China, you won't find anything like that. And she was such a revolutionary character. I agree she should be in the Hall of Fame. Chen. I see both sides, but at the end of the day, she should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. Chris. Yeah, I agree with you guys. She should be in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Um, Shall we already put this to a vote then? <laughs> so, just remember, we are putting the fact that she's not in the Hall of Fame in the Ring of Dishonor. Yeah. So, I suppose, out of stipulation, if they do induct her into the Hall of Fame one day, we could take that out of the Ring of Dishonor. I guess. I uh, it's, it's, it's like many of Dodo's own concepts, they're only theoretical. So. Can, before we vote, I mean, I just want to consider the other side a little bit. Um, why should she not go in is the question and is there a strong reason not to I remember anyone has but you would argue with this I think now the problem is now if you put her in the hall of fame it will seem really really bad as well because China always used to say oh they'll only put me in the hall of fame when I'm dead and if they do go ahead with putting her in the hall of fame what well, it will come, what she says is pretty much true. And WWE will just get even more bad publicity. I don't think that would be the case. Only because this is, they're eventually doing what is right. And Yeah, but the fact I, that they're not doing what's right when she's alive? I mean, I'm not going to counter my own argument, but I am. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult because I could see... Why, when she was alive, because she was still quite active as far as I'm aware. I could be very wrong, but she was still quite active up until her death in that particular industry, sadly. I I can understand why, if she was alive, why they wouldn't want to put her in there. With that being said, it's completely hypocritical because they put Sonny, who's still alive, uh, Tammy Stitch, and she's, as I said, still pretty active in that industry as far as I'm aware. So, yeah. I I mean, I, I just can't see any reason why she shouldn't be put in the Hall of Fame. The only reason I can see is like upsetting corporate sponsors like Snickers. Hence, they renamed the Battle Royal at WrestleMania because of concerns that were raised. But, but I would have thought we're a progressive enough society now, but mm, that should be accepted. And also... It's not like, I mean, she actively volunteered herself to participate in that industry. She, you know, it's perfectly, it's perfectly fine in that sense. I don't think anyone would take too much exception, not even sponsorships. I think a lot of fans, the fans that petitioned to Snickers to remove Fabulous Moolah off the WrestleMania Battle Royal are not going to be the same fans that, I'm going to say petition to whoever sponsors the WWE Hall of Fame to remove China from it. It would only be the far right that might yeah, potentially. I, I think. I mean, not to bring politics into it, but I can see that that being the only audience, the only yeah, conservative audience. I agree. I think there'd be some people that would actually like canvas and try and work hard to get her in there based on like positives, like sexual attitudes mm. towards that kind of industry. True. So just to 
finish off this segment, we have to make a decision here. I think it's pretty clear. Will this be the second entrant to the Ring of Dishonor? Chris, do you want to vote first? Yes. Chan? Yes. Yes. Well, trying to not be in the WWE Hall of Fame is entering the Ring of Dishonor. Well, there you have it. That is the second entry to the Ring of Dishonor. Next week, we'll be previewing WWE TLC 2018, continuing our weekly segment of The Ring of Dishonor, bringing back SmackDown vs. Raw, and who knows what other things we have in store. Huh. Kind of rhymed, Raw and Store. But anyway, that's all from us here at Holy Shoot. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and remember to subscribe to us on all good podcast outlets and some bad ones too, and give us a follow on the socials. Now, go away!